Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. For many women, the past year and a half of eating and cooking at home every day during the pandemic has been a double-edged sword that offered them both more time with their family and control over their diet, but according to new consumer research, it also added a burden that left many women feeling unsatisfied. Opening the door for savvy CPG manufacturers and retailers to offer a helping hand. According to Murphy Research's recently released first quarter State of Our Health report, while nearly all Americans stopped or dramatically reduced dining out during the peak of the pandemic, only women actually cooked at home more. And while there are desirable aspects, for the most part, they weren't happy about it. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Sarah Marion, the cultural anthropologist who leads Murphy Research's State of Our Health report, explains that the seemingly small insight could have an outsized impact on how food and beverage manufacturers innovate and market products going forward. For example, she explained, eating at home is expected to remain elevated even as the pandemic restrictions ease. But many women will still seek new solutions to help them reach more sustainable and satisfying equilibrium while cooking at home. Marion also shares how else the pandemic changed consumers' approach to food and nutrition, and which of these trends are here to stay and which likely won't last. With the goal of better understanding health and wellness in America, Murphy Research's State of Our Health study is based on quantitative and qualitative data collected monthly online from 1,000 people 13 years and older since 2018. From this massive data set, Murphy Research was able to compare historical behavior patterns to those during the peak pandemic to reveal some surprising insights. Among them is that while all Americans stopped eating out as frequently during the pandemic and ate more meals at home, only women actually cooked at home more, with 67% reporting that they cooked at home five or six nights a week in the first quarter of 2021, compared to 60% of men. Everybody feels like they're eating at home more, and this is true. Uh, and um, But what we saw in the data is that in terms of where that food is coming from, there were big differences as well in terms of gender. So for everyone... Less of their food is coming from restaurants. So certainly for women, uh, that, that gap is much bigger, right? Um, and uh, you might expect that you can fill it a few ways. You can fill it with cooking more at home, or you can fill it with other types of um, meal sourcing, right? So we, ha- we ask about how often do you eat you know, frozen foods that you bought at the grocery store, frozen meals, um, prepackaged fresh meals from the grocery store or delivery and takeout. And what we saw is among women, um, the percentage of women who uh, outsourced meals to those other ways never really changed very much. There was like a little uptick in takeout among women, you know, in the fall last year, but otherwise um, very, very flat. So they, they didn't actually fill that gap with other types of meal sourcing. What they did was cook at home more often. And so all of um, every frequency at which women cooked at home went up 
uh, in Q2 of last year, so that uh, beginning of the pandemic, and stayed high. So they really filled that gap by cooking at home. Um, and the interesting thing was that men didn't do that. Men's cooking at home stayed the same, and uh, at some levels even kind of fell here and there. And so, again, they, they never um, stopped dining out as much as women did, but they did make up for that gap with more takeout, more frozen meals, more prepared meals from grocery. So they, they, they didn't cook anymore. Um, and that was surprising to me because I have interviewed, you know, now hundreds of people about what they eat and how they eat and how they eat for health. And one of the things that I hear all the time is that um, people want to eat more at home. They want to cook more at home. They want to eat more at home because it's healthier, it's more affordable, better for you to have family meals, it's good for the family. And so, um, you know, given the real opportunity to do that, um, only women really did it. While cooking at home affords people more control over their diet and ostensibly the ability to select healthier options, Marion notes that women were more likely than men to report that their diet became less healthy or their weight more difficult to manage during the pandemic. Women also were more likely than men to report more stress around food. In terms of cooking at home, this is a, a true double-edged sword if you're a woman, I think. Um, and what we saw qualitatively is, I think, what reflects a lot of our especially if you're a mom, the experiences over the past year, which is just that you were cooking and cleaning all of the time. And so it became just an extra stressor on top of all the other things that were stressing you out about the pandemic. Um, whereas it doesn't seem like men felt the pressure to do that to the same extent. Speaking generally, of course. Broadly speaking, Marion says this dynamic also is reflected in how women and men approach grocery shopping. This, to me, this kind of fits within broader patterns of um, how men and women feel like they need to use their time in terms of uh, food in particular. And so it, it kind of reflects to me the similar patterns you see in, like, for instance, grocery shopping, where uh, women are more likely to be kind of the main grocery shopper, and they're also the ones that are more likely to spend more time in the store, right? They browse, they look for the best prices, they compare brands, um, they have a lot more going on in terms of the like mental load of what's, uh, what they need to buy and pleasing the rest of the family and planning for the future, whereas men take the grab-and-go approach, and it's not like they are um, not shopping uh, planfully, but they don't, they don't feel the same... Uh, kind of need to uh, compare all the brands and do this do this mental labor that women feel like they're supposed to be doing because it's you know the, their job to take care of the family budget as well as the nutrition. And what we what I've found in the past is that it, that's not really a gender thing. It's actually about who's the primary shopper. Um, so if it's a man who's the primary shopper for the household, he's doing all of that work, that mental work. Um, but it's just more likely to be. A woman, and you know, the woman is also of the household is also more likely to be uh, taking over more of the cooking, and so I think that there is a um, kind of a, a a greater feeling among women that this is what they're supposed to be doing, and so uh, here we are. We can't go out to eat. Um, I'm supposed to be cooking more at home, and so they do, uh, and it becomes a thing that they're supposed. It's a uh, almost like a should, right? Whereas men don't feel the same need to uh, kind of, it's, it's like a comp, almost a compunction, right? 
to them, it's worth it to save time by increasing their outsourcing elsewhere. It is not worth it to spend more time cooking at home. Whereas for women, it's worth it for whatever reason. It's because it saves money, because it's better for everybody, because they don't want to be eating frozen meals all the time. It's just kind of a difference in how you feel like your time is worth and what's worth spending time on that I think is different between men and women. Again, that is my hypothesis. <laughs> After speaking to many people, um, a theory. That said, as it becomes safer and easier to eat at restaurants, both men and women will take advantage of the variety and convenience that they offer. However, Marion notes because of the extra practice cooking at home that many women gained during the pandemic, they're more likely to continue to cook and eat at home, reserving restaurants for more special occasions. Um, we are seeing dining out increasing a little bit, but as you might expect, it's going up faster among men than among women. I think that it will take, I think that women are excited to dine out again. That experience is both being like cooked for and clean for is really uh, appealing after doing it for so long. But um, at this point, they have a lot of habits that they've been doing now for a whole year. So these are well-established habits. A lot of people talk to me about um, how their cooking repertoire has gotten bigger, and so I, I, and they now feel more skillful in the kitchen. So there are some habits there that are good for CPG um, and for food retailers. And I, I think that um, while cooking at home is going to decrease, which we're actually seeing already in Q2, it's gone down a little bit, um, both among women and among men. All of those well-established habits, I think, mean that um, consumers, and particularly women, are going to be a bit more likely to eat at home in the future for, uh, I think in the report I say, I call it for everyday occasions where the cost-benefit ratio is tightest. And um, to kind of paint a picture of that, it's like the weeknight dinner where maybe two years ago you took everybody out to Red Robin or some kind of like a fast-casual sit-down because you just didn't have a plan for dinner. Now you have the things at hand and the skills and the repertoire to whip something up um, for that, you know, Wednesday night meal. What's, and so that's what I mean where the cost-benefit ratio is. It's, it's really tight. It was tight before, but um, now people have the skills and habits to serve that at home rather than just going out to eat. And so that default going out to eat option is going to be uh, – people are going to be less likely to choose that. So that has, I mean, that has ramifications for both restaurants and um, CPG and, and retailers because some of that, uh, you know, consumption and purchasing that shifted from restaurants toward the home is going to stay there. Marion also knows that both men and women living with children are more likely to say that they want to continue eating at home more going forward, even though it can be more work. Despite all of the stress of cooking, uh, families in particular really liked the ability to have dinner together, and um, which, especially if you have older children, was really difficult to do sometimes because uh, as a society, we don't prioritize meals very well. Uh, we don't make time for cooking and eating, so things are frequently scheduled over dinner time. And then by the time you have teenagers, a lot of families are just, you know, eating catch-as-catch-can for most of the week. 
whereas now everybody was home, and so it became a, a routine that was, uh, I think, more rewarding in terms of the payoff if you're cooking, if you're the cook, um, everybody, and became an important anchoring ritual for, I think, a lot of families during the pandemic. Um, and yeah, this, now that you have the skills and repertoire to do this, this becomes easier to pull off um, on a regular basis. And families, the, the, both moms and dads that we spoke with qualitatively, this was a bright spot in the pandemic. They really want to hang on to the routines, and they understand that it might not be as often as it was during the pandemic when it could happen every night, right? But um, the, the rewards are so great both emotionally and functionally and financially that um, it is a, a behavior they really want to keep, and that makes it more likely that they'll keep them. But that doesn't mean most people will continue to cook from scratch as often as they did during the pandemic, especially women who have carried the bulk of the burden of meal prep and likely are grappling with cooking fatigue. Rather, Marianne says consumers likely will look for easier, fully or partially prepared meal solutions at the grocery store, which is where the opportunity is for food and beverage brands to offer new solutions and earn loyalty. I suspect that people are not doing the Rachel Ray whip up a dinner in 15 minutes. <laughs> I think that what they're probably doing is a combination of things, right? Like uh, now they keep a stash of emergency meals on hand, which might be a frozen pizza. It might be like a frozen bag of meal thing. So you get that out um, and then you put together a side dish. So it's like half cooked, half, um, you know, half convenience. I, I suspect that that is what uh, these dinners will look like. Um, so the, and that's what I mean by um, the products that can deliver on that kind of partly homemade um, feeling where you're not providing the whole dinner necessarily, but you're providing like the, the hard part or doing half the work uh, that's, um, that's what people looked for during the pandemic and I think what they will continue to look for now that they know that it's important to have a stash of these things on hand. As consumers continue to reemerge from lockdowns and either return to work, school, or other in-person obligations, Marianne predicts that on-the-go eating will rebound. But, she hypothesized, what consumers eat while out and about likely will look very different than what it was before the pandemic. She explains that after 15 months of eating quote-unquote real food at home, consumers are less likely to settle for meal replacement bars and shakes, looking instead for convenient versions of what they might make for themselves at home if they had time. The data around actual consumption of things like protein bars or ready-to-drink shakes, people things people eat for like a meal replacement for breakfast and lunch, it was actually pretty steady through the pandemic until the first quarter when it went down a lot. Um, and, uh, but the perception is that, that we heard from consumers is that they were eating those things a lot less. And so what that, what that tells me is that um, those things never went away fully, but given the choice, people don't want to eat a bar for breakfast. Uh, they just never had the choice before, right? Um, they don't want to eat a shake instead of a meal. They would, if they have the time, they'll make a real breakfast and a real lunch. Real, I mean, real is in quotes, right? It can be 
whatever you like. But we heard a lot of oatmeal, um, people making eggs and toast. Um, so something cook, cooking something essentially. Uh, and uh, to me, that says there's a gap there, right? There's a gap between what people actually want and what they have time for. And so I think that, you know, brands that can deliver something that feels more like a meal, it's closer to that fulfilling meal while still being a convenient replacement or offering portability or whatever it is, um, I think those are well positioned in the future. And a lot of those things already exist, right? Like you can get microwavable breakfast sandwiches, um, the little oatmeal cups. So I, I think that um, – those things are, are well positioned for the future. Um, but I also think that, uh, you know, in terms of um, getting that real meal feeling on the go, that was a, something that people turned to retailers for in the past. And also uh, quick serve, right? So you drive through and get your breakfast sandwich on the way to work. Um, and I think some of that is going to come back. And it might even be uh, bigger than it was before because people have discovered that they don't want to eat the bar again. They'd rather have a real sandwich. They'd rather, um, you know, run into the store to grab uh, um, one of the, like, grab-and-grow breakfast solutions that retailers have. And so I think for retailers that, like, you know, like Whole Foods that really had big um, – prepared food sections, a lot of that has been in real chaos, right? Because uh, it's, for a long time it wasn't clear if we could have a salad bar and, like, is it safe to go eat at those places? And I think that um, the desire is going to come back for that in a pretty big way as people go back to work and back to school. Um, and then, I, But what is the kicker there is how many people are going to actually be going back to work and back to school. And I think we just don't know that yet. Any noticeable shift in on-the-go eating and the types of products that consumers opt for likely will be delayed for summer and kick in fully in the fall when schools reopen and many people who've worked remotely during the pandemic are scheduled to return to their offices. And when that happens, Marion says, many consumers may be at a loss about what to buy or they may be open to trying new products because the pandemic eroded any of the habits that people had formed previously around on-the-go eating. Products that can satisfy that real meal, breakfast and lunch replacement, um, people are going to be looking for those in the fall. The other thing that tends to happen in the fall is that uh, there's a, a little re-engagement in health. So uh, um, in normal years, right, usually there's a little January bump from uh, New Year's resolutions. Uh, but when people really get active around um, nutrition and uh, getting back in shape, it's really in March and April. So there's a spring, there's a spring re-engagement, and then it kind of like drops off through the summer, and then people re-engage in the fall as everybody goes back to school and people can get in, back into that kind of um, school and workplace routine. So I, I think that there is going to be a little burst of energy and looking for uh, people might revert back to the things that they ate before, but these are what's going to happen is like, we're going to be reintroduced to totally new habits again. Right. So if, if school goes back in session, which it does seem like that it will in most places 
um, people haven't done this for a while, so this is a great opportunity to uh, kind of sh shake, shake things up a little bit. They'll be looking for new products in a way that they aren't usually. Um, so things will be in flux. It's a good time to introduce new things. Uh, so like um, uh, this might be those quick breakfasts that so you don't have to eat the bar. You can have the, like all of the kind of nutritional qualities of a bar and something more fulfilling, for instance. And so I think that um, for both uh, CPG and retailers, uh, this fall is a time when they should be uh, Think, thinking about that. Consumers are going to be looking for new things. They're going to be looking for solutions to, to problems they haven't had in a long time, um, but now they have different values, right? And so uh, that's something that you can think about in terms of uh, like just in-store shopping experience, so setting up quick meal solutions like breakfast solutions, lunch solutions for school, for work, what have you, um, in terms of displays, but I think if you're a, a food company, you want to think about that too. Where do you want your product to go if you want it to serve that need or if you think it, you think it can serve that need? Um, because again, this is a time when consumers are looking for new ideas uh, in a way that I think they haven't been um, in a while. The last big trend to emerge from the pandemic that Marianne believes is here to stay is online shopping, which she explains offers convenience and time savings that consumers will want as their lives become increasingly busy. To take full advantage of this and the other opportunities emerging from the pandemic, Marion says that retailers and brands need to make it just as easy for consumers to discover and purchase healthy, easy meal solutions online as in store. And they need to communicate across channels and platforms what they offer online and in store. So these insights are just a tiny fraction of Murphy Research's findings in its State of Our Health report. If you're interested in learning more, please visit www.murphyresearch.com backslash state dash of dash our dash health backslash overview. And with that, we reach the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you've enjoyed today's installment and that you'll join me again for another in the future. To ensure that you don't miss out, please subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.